So it's not very often that um, I admit I'm wrong. Is that correct, my co-host? This might be the first time in a very, very long time. And uh, don't get used to it. Um, remember a couple of episodes ago, we were talking about Arizona and like who's going to buy their $16,000, you know, front row seats, full season package. Remember that? Yeah, um, you priced out everything. Yeah. So I uh, got to eat my words here because good job, Arizona Coyotes. Y'all sold out the glass seats row A. $16,405, full season, $405 per game, glass seats row A. I'm impressed. I'm not going to lie. I'm impressed. The Den completely sold out. Goal line, so the two like, cheaper areas, completely sold out. I am impressed. I got to say, I did think it was possible. I got to eat my words. Thank goodness I didn't say something stupid like if they sell out, I'll eat, I'll eat my hat. Like thank God I didn't say something stupid like that because I might have had to. I am genuinely impressed. Speaking about the arenas, have you seen the the concept for the new Tempe? Like I guess not even arena, the Tempe Entertainment District. What about it? Um, it well, I mean, it looks very lavish. Obviously, it's still a concept. But when they went into the arena, there was like one giant thing that was missing in the arena, which I, I think it's it's unique. It's quite bold, but I don't know if it's going to work. I, I don't know. I don't know if I can pull it up for you guys. But basically, they've decided to not go with a Jumbotron. And they're basically, basically, they have the screen is going to be on the roof, but then they're also going to have like a panoramic screen on like the catwalk, I would say. I don't know. It it looks weird. I don't know if you guys have time to look it up, but they're basically foregoing the Jumbotron and basically having the screen like up on the roof. I haven't seen it, I'll be honest with you. Is it similar to what SoFi Stadium has in Los Angeles? Because that's really cool. I really like that one. That was my exact example like they get rid of the jump like sorry without the jumbotrons like that little ring around the the jumbotron i don't think i've seen the one for sofi but um i I imagine the sofi one's probably quite unique as well um let me see if i can look up the sofi one but basically like it's they basically right like if you're gonna build like an arena in arizona you need to not just have the arena just as a stand standalone thing you need to build up the entire entertainment district which i think they have the right mindset but i just wonder like as great as all this is like how long is this going to take like i don't see this being built in what like the three years that they're going to be playing at the university of arizona like i feel like this is something that's going to be done one and done and they'll be in the new arena by then uh yes it's kind of like the sofi one uh answered and that's freaking sick dude I love that because like um, the understanding partly of why I like it so much though is like no matter where you're sitting, you can see the screen. You know what I mean? I think kind of the issue with Jumbotrons is that when you sit on the top rows, top deck, you you, gotta, you can watch the Jumbotrons great. But once you kind of like sit a little lower, you got to strain your neck to really look up. Having the inside screen as well, you can easily see the Jumbotron. It makes 
any seat, a good seat for the jumbotron, for the TV jumbotron screen, whatever you want to call it. I love it. I love those ideas. Um, so I'm a fan of it. In terms of how long they build it, I've always been on the mindset. It you know depends. You know what I mean? Like you have one person build this entire thing. Yeah, it's gonna take you a hundred years or whatever. You have. I'm gonna exaggerate here, obviously. A million people build this. I can't imagine this takes more than like two months. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, that that's fair. It just seems like such an extravagant project, and we know. Like, I, I'm just curious how much money the Coyotes and the NHL are going to put into this, and how much is this going to be from like the local government and the um, state? Like, how much are they going to be putting the money into it, and how much is the NHL side going to put in? I gotta say though, you know, it is a drawing. And those are always bound to change, you know, one way or another. So to keep that in mind, um, but at the same time, you know, come drawing back to our beginning of the episode, don't count on Arizona. Arizona may surprise you. Can I make a prediction here? A very bold prediction? Are you asking to do a spicy take? Hell yeah, dude. I'm going to make the prediction that by the time Arizona moves into this new arena, they're going to be under a different ownership. I don't think that's as spicy as uh, you would think. I don't know about you, Olsen, but I don't think that's an unreasonable take. I don't think that's that spicy. Now, spicy would be like, now when it's built, they'll be in a different city. That's spicy. And I wouldn't count against that either. I, I could definitely see them being like, ah, you know, it's been unsustainable. They haven't built it. Let's move them to a different city for a couple of years and then we'll move back type of thing. Uh, I could definitely see that. I didn't think Anson actually had a chance to talk about how he feels about the arena. What are your thoughts about it, Anson? Just looking at the the video that uh, was presented in, I, I like it. Like the whole, without the Jumbotron, it's just like one giant LED wall. And whether you're sitting on like whichever side of the uh, how do you say it? like the oval, like the wall, whatever we called it earlier, you can still see the action of like what's happening. So I kind of like that. It's like all around, like Austin said, like wherever you're seated, you can see what's happening, and I think it's unique in the sense that it's like a different approach. Like not many new, not many arenas and places have that. Like, you know, SoFi and uh, the Rams. But besides that, they still have a Jumbotron. This whole new concept with uh, the Coyotes are going for, I I like it. Um, we'll see if it comes to fruition. Obviously, like you said, what they have on, you know, what they have currently could be very well different by the time it's all said and done. Either way, it's going to be an upgrade from playing at the University of Arizona. So, yeah. And with that, let's start the show you proper, shall we? You're listening to the Bag of Pucks podcast, part of the National Podcast Network. And we are back. So, Jeffrey got me in the mood for spicy takes, okay? So, I've got a spicy take for you. Is it spicy, spicy, or is it like medium stove spicy? It's like a, it's like a, what's the best word? Slightly hotter than room temperature. It's a warm water spicy. 
if Colorado beats Edmonton, does the Edmonton media go McKinnon is better than McDavid? You Edmonton media or Colorado media? Edmonton media. The Oilers home city media. Do they say, you know, maybe McKin- maybe McDavid isn't actually as good as we thought he was. And that actually McKinnon is better. I personally don't think that's going to be the storyline if Edmonton uh, gets out of the playoffs in the conference finals. I think, though, like if you were comparing McKinnon to McDavid, I think, you, yeah, like if Colorado wins, I think you say, yeah, McKinnon is better than McDavid because he led his team to the Stanley Cup final, which McDavid hasn't. So, uh, yeah, I would, I would agree with that take. Okay. Interesting. I mean, just looking at it right now, like McDavid and, you know, by proxy, Dreisaitl has 29, 28 points in the 14 games that they played. I don't think, you know, like Edmonton could rip them for it, but when these guys are literally two points a game, um, I don't think, you know, obviously we don't, we, we know they're not the issue, but I don't think Edmonton, the media is going to rip them for that. I think it's, the back end, you know, um, your 40-year-old goalie who's going to be uh, the subject of, not controversy, but like the headliner, I think that's going to be bigger than, you know, is McKinnon better than McDavid, quote-unquote. I think also, though, we do know Edmonton Media does like their spicy takes, you know what I mean? I think they like to hate on like the Oilers, but like I don't think they're gonna they're not at the stage where they're targeting McDavid and Dreisaitl and not being good enough for that team. I think they recognize that they have generational talents and they all they can harp on is the fact that the front office can't surround them with good talent or they they they're taking shots in the dark that never work. But like you know, like I, I think they're Overall, like they've improved season by season, right? In terms of like they found the pieces that they're missing and they're keeping them within the team, which I think is good. But they're not they're not there yet. But like I think you know, I would still consider this year, even if they are out at the conference final. I think most people in Edmonton would still see that as you know a good season, not like a a lost season. So, in both of your opinions, the narrative doesn't change that mcdavid is better than mckinnon no the narrative of it's not mcdavid and mckinnon's fault it's front office's fault for not providing them with a defense and goal you know we've heard that argument so long right i think that argument has been there since like what pre-taylor hall who's the last good clear number one not re, I guess very good Oilers goalie that they've had. Uh, that one and a half season of Cam Talbot. That one and a half. Okay. Besides, like, how long ago was that? I think that was pre McDavid, though. That's the issue. Oh no, that was the first couple of years of McDavid, though. I mean, that's kind of my point, though. 
when's the last time they had a really good goalie? I genuinely can't figure it out. Maybe Cam Talbot, but you're right. But during his time as an oiler, he was okay good, I guess. Like, I don't know why, but I first thought was Nikolai Habi Bulin. <laughs> I, I was going to go uh, Dwayne Rolson there, but like, I don't know if. Is it their goalie fault or is it their defense fault? Like, what is the core to their defensive woes? Like, I, I have a soft spot for Mike Smith. I don't know if you guys have heard, been able to deduce that over the last couple of episodes, but like, to me, like, I don't blame Mike Smith for every single goal that Edmonton lets in. Like, not even most of the goals. I, I do feel like it's their back end, which is the problem. This is definitely a cop-out answer, but I feel like they're interlinked. The Unless you've got a goalie like Vasilevsky, your defense can make your goalie look really good. Or your goalie can make your defense look really good. You know what I mean? Just because you have one playing really well does not... Usually it means that people think, oh, as a whole, the defense is really well. Well... Like, look at the stars. Ottinger played out of his mind, but we kind of knew that if you took Ottinger out for, like, a period, uh, or even a game, like, it would look drastically different than having him in. That's fair. Yeah, I know. You know what? That's fair. Maybe, like, I'm open to criticism. You know, this isn't a dictatorship yet. Uh, <laughs> give it another five, ten episodes. Uh, but, yeah, no, I think you're right. Maybe I'm wrong with that one. Jeffrey, am I wrong? No, like I think their defense and goalie is all, they're always linked. And like when you look at who they have on defense, right? Like how do you have CC and Barry signed for two more years? Like Barry is hidden on the third pair. CC, I, I don't trust him in the top two pairing, but I guess he can be like to me, like. Yes, we complain about not having them, them not having a goalie. But realistically, if this is the defense they're going to be icing every single game, the goalie that they need is someone that's going to steal them games. Which I I agree, like they haven't had that. Not even just like a number one goalie, they just haven't had a goalie that's been able to steal them games. So, to me, like I think probably they're going to have to readdress this right going into next season. I mean, Mike Smith is back, which. Even at 2.2, like, I don't hate... Like, he hasn't, like, regressed to the point where he's unplayable. Like, But he's still probably... I think you can't go with him going into next season. Especially with the fact how poorly he played in these last two games. Would it... Okay, like, moving forward to the quickly to the uh, free agency market. A couple goalies that stand out include Fleury, Kemper, I guess Koskinen... Grice, uh, yeah, Grice and uh, RFA, but Dikoriev, would any of them, you know, say the Oilers signed them? Would you be more comfortable with the uh, goalie situation? Like having, I guess, Mike Smith as the uh, backup? You know, one thing I did notice there is that the quality of players really drops really, really quickly. Yeah, from the first couple? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, I feel like the best option, I feel at least, would be you go with 
see if you can trade for Gregorio's rights. I wonder if that's the best way. You trade for Gregorio's rights. You know, if he still needs time, then you have Mike Smith, who still plays really well, right? And then you kind of set yourself up a bit for the future. I also forgot Jack Campbell. That's on me. But I think, you know, trading for Gregoriev, you don't have to, in a sense, pay a free agency premium for him. You just have to, in a sense, trade. Give him more assets, and I guess. It's kind of like you win some, you lose some in in that way. Mm -hmm. I think it would be hilarious if Jack Campbell goes to Edmonton. It just seems like Edmonton's starting to become Maple Leafs West. But, like, I think realistically, I think they're going to look in-house. I think Stuart Skinner's ready for a role in the NHL. So I, I wouldn't be surprised if they... Like, depends how much money they have. But, like, I feel like either you improve your defense in some way, or I, I don't know if they can really. Like, they don't have much, you know, wiggle room. But, like, you might just have to go with a Stuart Skinner-Mike Smith combo and then maybe at trade deadline find someone else. But... Like, you're right. Like, there isn't much options on the free agency market. Realistically, the trade market's pretty barren as well. Like, I don't see them going like, oh, let's swing for defenses and get like a Sergei Bobrovsky or something, right? Like, they don't have the cap space for that. But, like, I think it, it just posits like an interesting question, like for Edmonton, right? Like, now it seems like they've gotten decent depth. What's their next? How are they going to improve their back end and their goalie? Like, what are they going to focus on next? And can they, you know, like, you know, just, you know, build on this season? Yeah, but I think, like, for this upcoming um, offseason, I think it's easier to try and fix the goalie situation as opposed to trying to, trying to find a uh, a trade partner for one of Duncan Keith, Tyson Berry, Cody CC. I get that they have like one or two years left, but I think it's, I think it's harder to do that than to sign or trade for a goalie. Yeah, fair enough. I just find with Edmonton, like it's always going to be a conundrum, right? Like when you have guys like McDavid and Drysaitel, like realistically, you're main things are like is it depth is it d is it goalie every single season and it's just kind of like you're playing whack-a-mole in terms of like what you're going to be able to cover and you're going to leave one area is going to be exposed and it's going to be interesting to see what they do this offseason but at the same time though i feel like that's if you don't have something like that in edmonton it's either because you win the cup or all the media is shut down you know what i mean like at the end of the day that's just how the media hockey media in large canadian markets are like not even not even canadian markets and it's not even realistic just the hockey right any large sports market whether it be you know a new york knicks in the nba uh yankees or boston red sox at mlb or even if you want to look at soccer you know you look at a you know a manchester united or or Madrid, any large team you're gonna have this thing where it's like unless you're a champion there is going to be something that is glaringly wrong with this, with the team. And that's just, I don't want to say it's lazy journalism, but it's easy journalism. Do you know what I mean? Like when you're, you're in the upper echelon, you're in the top, top tier, 
You don't need to be a top top tier. You just have to be a place with a large market. That anything less than first is unacceptable. People, yeah, people will will read it and care. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I I agree with that. So how do you think if you were to drive like an hour and a half down from Edmonton to Calgary, how do you think the media is talking about them now? Like they looked like they were supposed to face Colorado in the finals. I think they were probably one of the better built teams in the NHL this season. They had a wonderful coach who wanted Jack Adams this year. Like what what's the media going to talk about them now? Like, I guess there's the big things too, but like, was this not their best chance to, go to the finals this season? I mean, I think the media looks at them as, you know, pretty good, you know what I mean? Like, I think their issue would just be kind of like, oh, they signed some bad contracts a la Sean Monaghan. You know what I mean? Um, I think last year one of the big questions was coach, but uh, I don't think that's going to be an issue anymore, right? So I think Sean Monaghan is the big one, right? If you're Calgary, like, do you do you move on from Sean Monaghan? I think more. I don't think Sean Monaghan's a bad contract. I think he just never fit in with Daryl Sutter. Like, I think Sutter is a specific coach. He wants to coach specific players, like players that will, you know, you know, listen to him and play what he the style of hockey that he wants. And, you know, that's why he made the Kings so successful was because he had all these veterans who were willing to buy into his system. And when he came into Calgary, right, like it's just seemed like Monaghan never understood or wanted to play how Sutter like asked him to play. So he ends up on like the third, fourth lines and eventually just in the press box, right? Like I, I wonder, like, I feel like Monahan's a great buy low option that like especially with Calgary needing cap space, I feel like a team can take advantage here. I would say who would want it want him? And at what price are they willing to give up for him? I mean, he only has one year left. So it's not like a horrible, like long term commitment. It's it could be a situation where you're just like, okay, I'm willing to just take a chance on getting a guy who would be like a very good number two center. You know, maybe I'm a, like a cup chasing team who's going to go for it next year. And I'm willing to, I don't have to worry about re-signing him. I'm just going to, you know, uh, just trade for like a, a rental. Or you could be a team that's like, I think Monaghan could be on my long-term teams. I'm going to trade for him and then also sign into an extension right after. Like, I think there there is a market for a guy like Monaghan because he gives you like two options. Like there's a lot of teams that could be willing to trade for a guy who, you know, it's not like he's had a bad season this season, I think with the new coach, but it's not like, I wouldn't call him like a horrible player. Like I think, He's just kind of lost right now. I wonder if he can make a bounce back next season. To play the devil's advocate, um, I'm just trying to look up his like injury history in a sense, and I'm not done counting it, but I see at least f- five, six injuries and four in one offseason. Um, there's one specifically that kind of, kind of sticks out a bit. Is like... Um, his hip has been an issue since like 2020. So I think there's a huge like history with injury with Monaghan and that it's kind of starting to catch up with them. 
I guess, but like you don't I don't consider Monahan as like a injury prone player, right? Like he's like except for these last two seasons, he's put up, you know, he's been playing over 70 games every year like I, I don't count him as injury prone. Like I think he's a great like, you know, if high risk, high reward. And I don't think it's going to cost him much to get him out of Calgary, right? Like with Calgary needing to sign, you know, Kachuk, Mangiapani, um, and Goudreau, like you could probably, if you're offered to take the full contract off of Calgary's hand, I think you can have him for cheap. So I, I think if you're a team out there who needs, you know, a uh, playmaking center who, you know, are willing to just give him a chance to see, you know, what he saw has left, you know, I think you can reasonably find a trade partner. Like to me, he almost looks like a Matthew Shane where he's just kind of lost his way almost. And he just needs a change of scenery. But I think if the Jack Adams winner in Brent Sutter can't even figure him out, it doesn't make me very confident and what he's able to do. You know what I mean? Well, I think each coach has their own strength and they each mesh with different players differently, right? Like I wouldn't say like just because he's like the number one um, coach and that like he should be like the, you know, the uh, decision maker on whether a player is good or not. If he can play for the best coach in the world, then he's good. If he can't play for the best coach, then he's bad. Like, like, does that, do you mean like everyone who's ever played under Pep Guardiola, if he fails, he's a bad player? I don't think so. I think like each coach and player has a different dynamic and that, you know, if it doesn't fit, it just doesn't fit. I, I guess, <laughs> I guess, like, yeah, no, you make a good point, right? Um, and I have been told that I accidentally said the word, I said Brett Sutter. I didn't mean Brett Sutter. I mean, I meant Daryl Sutter. Um, my bad. Um, yeah. So I, I guess you're right. Um, no, I, I think, I think it'll be interesting, but I think this is coming close to a make or break season for Sean Monahan. And that's why I compare him to Duchesne where it looked like he had fallen off and looked like, you know, he was no longer, you know, who he was supposed to be. So, you know, Monaghan, possibility. I, I think, I, I don't see him in Calgary next season, but I think he can do well somewhere else. But yeah, okay, going back. So Brent Sutter, not Brent Sutter. I said Brent Sutter again. Daryl Sutter wins the Jack Adams. Do you guys think it's correct? Um, I've always felt, you know, I feel like other people do feel this way too. The Jack Adams is a, huh, didn't think you'd be this good award. <laughs> and first place, Dill Sutter, Andrew Burnett, Florida, Gerard Gallant, Rangers, third. Um, Todd McLennan, sixth, you know, tied with Jared Bednar of the Colorado Avalanche. Uh, I don't know. I felt like Calgary was deservedly first in terms of Dill Sutter. Andrew Burnett being second seems a little high, I think, especially how the perception of this is the didn't think you'd be this good award. Um, did you have the Panthers first in the league? I guess not first. You're right. But I also didn't think they'd be bad. You know what I mean? 
I think, like, by our logic, I think Gerard Gallant in third there should probably be the most deserving, right? Like, in terms of teams that we didn't think they were going to be good to, you know, a team that... I know the playoffs don't count, but, like, to a team that finished second in the competitive Metro, I think, by your logic, I think Gerard Gallant should be the winner in terms of, you know, yeah, this team actually did well this season. Yeah, I could see the argument why he's worth maybe a second place vote instead and, you know, have Gerard Gallant as, no, I'm sorry, Andrew Burnett as the third place. I could see that argument. I don't think that's a ridiculous conversation to have. But you still think Daryl Sutter should be number one? Uh, you know, I, I, I could foresee it. You know, if you listen back to our early season episode where we discuss uh, what we feel about the playoff standings, I'm pretty sure I had Calgary way down there. I also feel that might have just been you, so that's why. <laughs> hey, I'm pretty sure it's just me, but that doesn't change my point of view there, you know what I mean? I mean, you've got to put LA King up at the top somehow, right? So something's got to be at the bottom. Hell yeah. But in the end, you know, congrats to Daryl Sutter on winning Jack Adams. I, I, I do think he deserves it, I think. Especially from like last seasons and this season, I think he's done quite a uh, quite a, a big. He's he's basically brought a culture change to Calgary, which was sorely needed, and I think they've improved on they've 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 done one they've done well because of it, and I think they should be able to continue this momentum going forward. Well, I guess the the big question is um, Johnny Gaudreau, though, right? They can keep going forward, but I think without that one big. Um, you know, big forward. Um, you know, are they going to keep him? What are they going to do? Same with, in a sense, uh, Kachuk. He is he's an RFA, but still needs a contract, uh, nonetheless, right? So, but I think yes, they did really well this season. But it depends on how, how this upcoming off season goes. Whether they you know decide to keep him or he walks, I think that's going to be the uh, very different come like October for us. Yeah, no, I think the big thing is you're looking at what happened to Monahan. Will they buy out Lucic, who's only got one year left? Like, I think they have a way to make cap space. It's just that once they've signed those big three, do they have enough money to fill out the rest of the roster like they've been able to this season? I think it helps though that like they have. Lindholm for a very respectful, respectable um, 4.85 for another two years. That helps. Same for Toffoli, same for Dubé. Um, like, I think the next couple of years, like, we keep saying this, um, the next couple of years, are their years left, um, their window, but um, I think if they don't do anything else in this, like, window, it's going to be a huge question mark because there's not many contracts oh, there's not many guys whose contract like go past um 2023-24 yeah no i think in the end though like i think they were th- there it was kind of gonna be like a reset after that like the 2023-2024 season to see like are they still able to compete um but i i do think like they're gonna sign like kachuk and control like long term man japani i'm not too sure if they're gonna sign him for too many years but 
Like, I can definitely see them being like, okay, we're going to sign these guys long-term. We're going to sign the Canafin a little bit longer as well. And then maybe some of the guys, like, you know, in two years aren't going to be on this team. Like, Backlund and, like, Tanev are probably guys that aren't going to still be on this team. Like, I I, I think they, they still got, like, a competitive window. But you're right. Like, it's very dependent on, you know, can they bring back, you know, their big guns back and, you know, go for a run again next season. and seasons after that yeah um one more one more hockey thing i wanted to bring up right of a stupid question kale mccarr goal or no goal offside or or goal i want to hear from you guys um for me i like we talk about goal non-goal offside no offside i think the question is possession or no possession right like in that play does like how are we defining possession these days like it's like in soccer, right? If you knock knock the ball forward to like run to the ball, like are you still in possession? Like I, I think it's been so subjective. I feel like in that case, I think McCarr still has control of the puck. I don't think there's any way he's losing control of that puck at that point. So I do think that goal should not have counted. Anson, goal or no goal, quickly. Yeah. I I'd agree with uh, Jeffrey here. I think the way that it was going, I I understand the other player was coming back from the defensive zone or offensive zone, sorry. Um, but I think from the replay, I think Makar had control of it. Granted, he wasn't necessarily touching it, but I think he had control of it. Okay. Wait, what's your take? I thought it was a goal. I thought it was pretty clear to his goal, but I think I'm open to being wrong. Um, yeah. I have a really dumb question for you guys today, and uh, yeah. Are you guys ready for it? I have been told it may involve utensils. Yes. Um, what are there more of in the world? Forks or knives? The argument for both, I think, is Forks, a lot of times you just don't use a knife, right? Like you get a salad, you're not really getting a knife for a salad, or you know, if you are, you're a weirdo. But you know what I mean? You're not getting it. But that's that's even for forks. But for knives, there's a lot of times you use knives that's not just in food related that you need a knife for, right? Like, you know, you need a utensil like a you know a Swiss Army knife that has a few knives on there, but it doesn't have a fork. So just food-related, I think the argument is there's obviously more forks and knives because if you have a knife, you generally need a fork. But beyond the world of food, you need a knife for a lot of stuff that you don't need a fork for. (laughs) Told you, real stupid this week. So where does a spork fall in the spectrum? Would you consider it part of the fork category, part of spoons, or just its own separate category of utensils? Sporks are new, new... hipster i don't even know new hipster stuff that falls in its own category sporks i feel like are such a small subsection that it doesn't really make a difference i was just thinking about you know those like new age where like they have like they even have like a spork with a knife on it somehow like where it's got serrated edges um i don't get how you eat with that but okay to me both a fork and knife then it's a tick for the fork and a fork and a tick for the knife net that knife. I can't speak knife today, but yeah. Okay. 
in terms of knife, not sorry, knives, a knife knife would only have one cutting edge because if it if you're counting, would you count swords as part of a knife group? No, a sword's a sword. You said it's a sword yourself. <laughs> no, but in terms of you know, if we're looking at you know things that cut stuff, right? Like hey, Jeffrey, what did you call it? A sword. Then it's not a knife. <laughs> Would well, you, you cons- know what? If- no, no. Wait, would you consider a cheetah a cat? Yes, because a cheetah's in the in the family of a cat in the species. Could you not say a sword is in the family of knives? No, because a sword is not a living thing. It doesn't have similar DNA to a knife. One could argue that they do have similar um construction if you're gonna argue with me that a sword has dna i'm just gonna log off right now (laughs) all i'm saying is i want to get like a clear definition because last time we did something this we needed to clearly define what a fork was and what a knife is and if we can define that then we can answer your question but if you know if we're coming up i don't want to give out your exact age so i'll tell the listeners jeffrey's in his mid-20s you know, he's in his 20s. I understand he's in his 20s. I think he can clearly define what a knife and a fork is. Like, when you go to dinner, do you go, oh, it's okay, I don't need this uh, fork and knife. I'm going to use a fork and sword. Yeah, or it's like, oh, I don't, oh, excuse me, I have a fork and a, and a spoon. Where's my sword? No, you say, where's my knife? Where does the pitchfork, does that count as a fork? Do you eat with a pitchfork? Do you eat with a Swiss Army knife? Fair. But no, that's a pitchfork. So basically your question is, are there more like kitchen forks or are there more knives, general, like knives in general, basically? You're not counting any type of fork. Yeah. That's a pretty good way of putting it, yeah. Uh, hmm. In my opinion, I am going to say that there are more knives in this world. I feel like in every kitchen that, yes, you you probably have like enough forks for, you know, everyone who's going to be eating at the table. And then maybe you might have a couple of extra. In terms of knives, you'll probably have a complementary to each fork. But then you also have to consider like all the knives that you use for, you know, cutting up your vegetables, cutting up the meat. Like I feel like most knife sets is like a four or five knife set. You've got like a bread knife as well. Like you, there, there's quite a few knives. And if you're considering like like pitchforks don't count, any type of fork outside of the kitchen, not part of this equation, I think you've got to go knives here, right? That's my opinion. I don't know about you, Olsen, or Hanson, as in fact. Like, I, I, to me, this is where I think knives should probably be outnumbered forks. Hmm. All right. Hanson, what's your thought before I give him my thought? Mine's pretty straightforward. Same logic as Jeffrey over there, but like you said, like for generally for every fork, there's a knife. But, you know, you have your knife block, which is like, I don't know, let's just say 10 knives. And you don't have a fork block, so right. So that's an, let's just say that's another ten line, t- ten knives per household. Plus, when you go out, there's like throwing knives. Those count. Those are knives. 
So in that case, I'd go, there's more knives than forks in the world. I feel there's more forks, to be honest with you, just because like the amount of, like, I feel like when you go to a lot of restaurants, whatever, especially if you're doing like quick restaurants, they use forks a lot more than they use knives. So as a result, they just have, they're they're cycling through their forks a lot quicker. You know what I mean? And I feel like, yes, there's a lot of those extra knives, but I feel like beyond, I don't know, like, for example, like, I ha- I'm looking at my, thinking of my house right now. I have four, like, kitchen knives and a Swiss Army knife. And that's, like, my knife. And then I have a lot of forks, like, eight or nine forks. And then I feel like in my little collection of, like, takeout utensils I just didn't use when I get like their delivery I've got a lot more forks than I do than I have knives uh I would like to put my input I have I, I, I don't I haven't counted my takeout you know plastic cutlery but I have two forks and I think I have eight knives uh, I'm I, I think we lost a couple of forks I know I broke a knife the other day but um for some reason my household does not have forks so maybe that's why I'm biased what I'm hearing is that if the three of us, I guess not three of us, is Anson and I go to Jeffrey's for dinner, we got to bring our own cutlery. <laughs> just our forks. He has enough knives for us. We just have to bring a fork. <laughs> well, that's why that's why I bought uh, like the nice 30 pack of, you know, forks and spoons and knives over at a Dollarama. So I, uh, I'm set for you guys. We'll, we'll all use plastic cutlery. I won't shame you guys. And you no, know, I'm only using, you know, metal. And you guys are using plastic. All right. Uh, with that, that's a good place to end, I think, for the week. Final thoughts. We'll start with Jeffrey. I feel like these conference finals, they're exciting. I, 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 I'm sad that we have to record this late at night where we're missing the game right now and can't watch it live. But, you know, I'm very excited to see Colorado Edmonton tomorrow and seeing, like, are they gonna? Is it gonna be another back and forth game? Is Colorado just gonna outscore them? Like that's just been exciting. And then with Tampa and the Rangers, like I don't know, like that. What seems like a goal, a game, a series where it's gonna be more, you know, defensive orientated. You know, in that first game where we saw six against Tampa, like yikes! Like there's gonna be a lot of goals this conference finals. I just hope they save some goals for the Stanley Cup finals. Is it? Yeah, I think piggyback off of that, um, that stat where it's like Vasilevsky's guaranteed to win after a loss, uh, I don't think that's true anymore, considering that the Rangers just won 3-2 in Game 2 of the Eastern Conference Finals. Um, but yeah, I had, it's a bloodbath between uh, Colorado and Edmonton, whereas I think it's more, I guess, normal when it comes to the Rangers and the Lightning. Um, but I think both are still fun to watch and whoever advances I mean realistically would you be mad at any combination of matchup that we would see because I would not be honestly I thought I'd be upset with uh, with uh, Oilers Rangers final but uh, I'm actually you know I, I'm, I'm pretty happy with that and uh, I think my final thought is that yeah I, I think you hit bang on I thought I'd be upset with Oilers and Rangers might not be. And uh, love y'all. And uh, we'll talk to you next week. Bye.
Thanks for listening to the Bag Fucks Podcast, part of the National Podcast Network. You want to complain about us? You can tweet us at BOP underscore POD on Twitter. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you soon. <laughs>